0: Great. Hello everyone. Welcome to Amplitudes first quarter 2022 earnings conference call. I'm Nicole Borgia from the Blue Shirt Group. Joining me today are Spencer Skates, CEO and co-founder of Amplitude, and Wong Wong, the company's chief financial officer. During today's call, management will make forward-looking statements including statements regarding our financial outlook for the second quarter and full year 2022, the expected performance of our products, our expected quarterly and long-term growth, accelerated investments, in our overall future performance. These forward-looking statements are based on current information, assumptions, and expectations that are subject to risks and uncertainties, some of which are beyond our control, that could cause actual results to differ materially from those described in these statements. Further information on the risks that could cause actual results to differ is included in our filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. We are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements, and we assume no obligation to update these statements after today's call, except as required by law. Certain financial measures used on today's call are expressed on a non-GAAP basis. We use these non-GAAP financial measures internally to facilitate analysis on our financial and business trends and for internal planning and forecasting purposes. These non-GAAP financial measures have limitations and should not be used in isolation from or substitute for financial information prepared in accordance with GAAP. A reconciliation between these GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures is included in our earnings press release, which can be found in our Investor Relations website at investors.amplitude.com. With that, I'll hand the call over to Spencer.
1: Thanks, Nicole, and good afternoon to everyone. Uh, appreciate you joining us for our Q1 2022 earnings call. Amplitude had a strong first quarter reflecting the market's increasing demand for digital optimization. We closed out the quarter with $53.1 million in revenue, up 60% year over year. We also added more than 100 paying customers, which was up 49% annually and totaling just over 1,700. We continue to see great traction with our new products, experiment and recommend, and strong expanding usage of our digital optimization suite. This was further demonstrated by a dollar-based net retention rate of 126%, which increased by 800 basis points year-over-year. Amplitude's vision is to help every company build better products through data. We are pioneering a new category of software called digital optimization, the next wave of digital transformation. Digital optimization arms organizations with real-time product, app, and web data so they can make strategic decisions that accelerate innovation and increase revenue. Amplitude success is propelled by three mega trends, digital transformation, data-driven products, and product-led growth. Today, companies must optimize the massive investments they've made in digital transformation and digital product creation. Amplitude's digital optimization system transforms product strategy from an intuition-based process to a data-driven one. That means organizations can use first-party data to understand every behavior and action taken in the product, which is a huge competitive differentiator for modern businesses today. Finally, the very best businesses out there are focusing on the product itself as their number one revenue driver. This gives product teams more spending power and influence within organizations. That's why companies are turning to Amplitude to be the command center for managing, measuring, and optimizing the business value of their digital products. With our number one product analytics solution, companies of all sizes can unlock customer insights, build winning products, and drive customer growth. We have a robust product cycle planned for the year, which we executed against in the quarter. We added new capabilities to give product leaders deeper insights into what it takes for customers to convert including new visualizations and measurement tools to show how product changes impact conversion rates. We also built a new set of experiment lifecycle features to make it easier for customers to set goals and incorporate statistical data into metrics, as well as new SDK enhancements to integrate instrumentation and experimentation. And finally, to unlock advanced targeted messaging and personalization use cases, we launched support for real-time audience delivery, customizable propensity models and up to 25% better better performance for one-on-one recommendations. A key differentiator for Amplitude in our product suite is the open approach we take to helping customers move data into our digital optimization system. In Q1, we built new integrations with Google PubSub, Braze, Intercom, AppsFlyer, and Qualtrics, which will enable our customers to set up more event streaming destinations and better understand user preferences. We also launched in the AWS Marketplace to make it easier for organizations around the world to find, test, buy, and deploy Amplitude. Now, product, marketing, and business leaders have a simpler pathway to using data to optimize their digital business. Beyond our own product innovations, we're actually seeing an important shift in the market. Over the next year, Google Analytics is requiring all of its Universal Analytics and Universal Analytics 360 customers to shift to GA4, a different and less sophisticated platform. Current Universal Analytics customers will lose all of their existing data. This friction-filled experience will prompt every GA customer to ask themselves a critical question, is Google Analytics still the best option? We're hearing from customers that the answer is no. This gives us a huge opportunity to convert GA users to Amplitude so they can stop relying on surface level metrics and start understanding the entire customer journey. We're offering discounted GA migration services for enterprises ready to upgrade to Amplitude. Between the increasing urgency for product analytics and our work toward building the most comprehensive suite of digital optimization products on the market, we believe Amplitude is on track to become the system of record for the product organization. This is similar to how Salesforce has become the system of record for sales organizations and Adobe became the system of record for marketing. We believe that this represents a $37 billion market opportunity today, and that's only going to increase as digital expands its foothold. To realize this opportunity, we've built a team that knows how to scale our product, sales engine, and customer-centric approach. Last month, we welcomed Lambert Walsh as our first ever chief customer officer. Previously at Adobe and DocuSign, Lambert has more than 25 years of experience leading customer success professional services, and solutions consulting teams at high-growth organizations. Lambert's expertise in scaling and driving customer success in services organizations will help Amplitude continue to win the world's largest organizations. We're also proud to continue our position of market leadership. The G2 Spring 2022 report, which is based on customer reviews, ranked Amplitude as the number one product analytics solution for the seventh quarter in a row and we ranked number three in digital analytics for the fifth quarter in a row. Amplitude was also recognized in Fast Company's Most Innovative Companies list, ranking number three in the enterprise category. And finally, Amplitude was featured in Gartner's Market Guide for Web, Product, and Digital Experience Analytics, which predicts a convergence across the digital analytics market. Gartner now recommends combining web analytics with either product or digital experience analytics. This really validates the power of product analytics and Amplitude's opportunity to expand into the broader digital analytics space. We're also making investments for the long term in Europe, where the pressure to shift away from third-party data is particularly intense. Companies around the world are looking for privacy-centric ways to create personalized product experiences, making Amplitude the ideal partner. In Q1, we landed new customers in Europe like Luno and InfoBip in London and Group Express in Paris. To meet rising demand in the region, we're scaling our team and have opened up new workspaces in London and Paris. Our leadership team has also been closely following the unlawful and unjustified invasion of Ukraine. We've taken several actions since February to help support our employees and give our Ukrainian customers operating flexibility. We've also evaluated and terminated customer relationships in the region that we know to be either, number one, targeted by U.S. sanctions, including subsidiaries of those companies, or number two, Russian government or oligarch-owned. Wong will provide additional information about the financial impact of these decisions. Amplitude took these steps to comply with sanctions and make it clear we are against the actions of the Russian government. Our business continues to grow rapidly, and we believe in the broad-based opportunity for Amplitude. This is evidenced by the strong demand for our products from organizations across a variety of sizes, verticals, and digital maturity. In Q1, our customer base expanded by 49%. Several notable new wins in the quarter include Barnes & Noble Education, RetailMeNot, Hopper, Brink Security, Snap Finance, and Hydro. We also had several customer expands, with Dropbox, Block, or Square, Venmo PayPal, OKCupid, The Weather Company, CultureAmp, and Angami, and we continue to make encouraging progress with the adoption of our new products, experiment, and recommend. I'll expand upon a few customer stories from the first quarter to provide additional context on what drove some of these wins and our increasing value to customers. A great example of an enterprise win in Q1 is Bartleby, a student success hub developed by Barnes & Noble Education, a leading solutions provider for the education industry. The Bartleby team selected Amplitude in Q1 to deepen their understanding of user behavior across their e-learning platform. With the addition of Amplitude Analytics, the Bartleby team will increase their ability to generate customer insights and further maximize engagement and conversion opportunities. A great example of an expansion from Q1 is Venmo owned by PayPal. Venmo provides seamless digital payments and checkout options for merchants and consumers. Venmo originally partnered with Amplitude in 2016. Today, Venmo teams use Amplitude analytics to test data-driven hypotheses on products and engagement. In Q1, Venmo completed a volume-based expansion with Amplitude. Next, I wanted to share a great example of a customer bringing on our new product experiment, Amplitude experiment. Dropbox, a leading global collaboration platform, is a pioneer of product-led growth with hundreds of millions of registered users in a suite of digital products. Dropbox's partnership with Amplitudes enables teams to analyze end-to-end product experiences, run measurable exper- experiments faster, and ultimately better understand their customer needs. In Dropbox, in Q1, Dropbox scaled their Amplitude analytics implementation to more products and added Amplitude Experiment, which allowed them to conclude experiments significantly faster than what they were using before. Another exciting example of a company adding Amplitude Experiment is The Weather Company, an IBM business and an existing Amplitude Analytics customer. In Q1, The Weather Company expanded its partnership to leverage Amplitude Experiment, starting with ad placement testing and web platform optimization. With both Amplitude Analytics and Amplitude Experiment, they are now equipped to pursue several strategic initiatives aimed at advertising and product capabilities on the Weather Channel website and apps. A great example of customer expansion and adding Amplitude Recommend is CultureAmp, a market-leading employee experience platform. Organizations of all sizes use CultureAmp to gather organizational feedback through engagement surveys to drive development and performance. The CultureAmp team originally partnered with Amplitude in 2020 to deepen customer insights for a new product growth team. In Q1, CultureAmp renewed their partnership with Amplitude and expanded the volume of events they ingest. CultureAmp also added Amplitude Recommend, so customer success, customer experience, and user experience teams will be able to connect with users at the right time to help them get more value out of CultureAmp. Last but not least is Hydro, the leading at-home connected fitness rowing machine known for its patented technology and immersive live and on-demand content. After relying on Amplitude starter plan for several years and experiencing exponential growth during the pandemic and beyond, Hydro chose to become a paid customer of Amplitude Analytics in Q1. Hydro uses Amplitude Analytics to understand customer behavior and drive adoption and retention in their apps. They are now expanding their relationship to leverage Amplitude Analytics for their B2B data as well. Hydro is investing in a data-driven culture, product-led growth and amplitude will be key to this initiative. Now, let's take a look ahead to Q2. We have been making significant investments in our product development over the past year, and you'll be hearing about the early outputs of those investments at our marquee conference, Amplify, the number one product and growth conference. The event is taking place in person in Las Vegas and online from May 24th to 26th, and we'll be gathering product leaders from around the world to learn about Amplitude's latest product innovations, participate in the Amplitude training sessions, and hear from an amazing lineup of speakers, including Emmy-winning comedian Hassan Minaj, Philadelphia 76ers former general manager Sam Hinkie, and product and growth leaders from the NBA, Okta, Under Armour, HubSpot, Miro, Qualtrics, and more. In closing, I'm pleased with our Q1 results and I'm proud of our team's continued execution. I believe we're at the beginning of a significant market opportunity and we're investing aggressively in our pursuit of capturing that. Thank you for your interest in amplitude. And now I'd like to turn it over to Wong to walk through the financial results.
2: Thanks, Spencer. And thanks again to everyone joining us today. Our team delivered a strong quarter, overcoming a couple of headwinds. First, I want to discuss a large customer churn in Q1. Twitter, because of their massive user activity and monetization of those activities, decided it made sense to build a tailored internal solution. Combined with the fact that they acquired Interana, a product analytics company, in 2020, we believe this is an isolated case. The conflict in Ukraine has also been a headwind. We made the right decision to show our support by seizing new business and ending our relationship with certain customers in the region but those decisions will have an impact on the results of this year. I will elaborate on those impact in a moment. Despite this, we saw robust growth in new customer, had the second largest expansion quarter in the company history, which translated to strengthen our net retention rate, saw fantastic growth in RPO, and had our best quarter ever with Amplitude experiment. These results support our confidence in the long-term opportunity for Amplitude and a market for digital optimization. For Q1, Revenue came in at $53.1 million, representing 60% annual growth. We ended the quarter with 1,701 paying customer, an increase of 49% year-over-year. We saw customer expanding usage of our platform to drive product-led growth, which is reflected in our dollar-based net retention rate, or NRR, which increased 300 basis points sequentially and 800 basis points year-over-year to 126%. Strength in NRR was driven by strong expansion, the second-largest quarter in number of million-plus deals, and total expansion dollar value. NRR also benefited as quarters with COVID-related churn dropped off. Our strong NRR reflects the long-term underlying expansion opportunity of our business as our customer embrace product-led growth, but we expect to see ongoing fluctuation in NRR in the quarters ahead as we digest the timing of large expansion and customer churn. From a geographic standpoint, revenue from the U.S. increased 59% year over year to 50 in Q1 to 33.5 million, and international revenue increased 62% to 19.5 million. The U.S. was 63% of total revenue versus 37% for international, consistent with the prior year. As a result of the action we took related to the Ukraine conflict, combined with terms due to associated collection risks. We estimate about a million dollars in quarter revenue impact beginning in Q2 and a decrease in FY22 customer count by about 2 to 3%. Turning to remaining performance obligation or RPO. In Q1, total RPO increased to 194.4 million, up 84% year over year. Current RPO also increased to 149.6 million, up 62% year over year, representing approximately 77% of total RPO. The strength in RPO growth is driven by expansion, coupled with early renewals and longer-term contracts, reflecting customers' increasing confidence in the value of our digital optimization services. I will be discussing non-GAAP results going forward. As a reminder, our GAAP financial results, along with a reconciliation between GAAP and non-GAAP results, can be found in our earnings press release and supplemental financial on our IR website. Gross margin improved to 72% compared to 70% in Q1 2021. We're excited about the progress towards our long-term goal of 75% as we continue to scale the business. Moving now to operating expenses. For Q1, sales and marketing expense was $24.9 million compared to $15.9 million last year and represented 47% of revenue compared to 48% of revenue in Q1 2021. R&D expense in Q1 was 12 million compared to 6.1 million last year. This represented approximately 23% of revenue compared to 18% of revenue in Q1, 2021. As planned, we caught up on our investments in product development so that we can extend our leadership in product analytics and build additional solutions to service the Chief Product Officer role. G&A expense was 9.2 million for the first quarter compared to 4.6 million in the first quarter of last year. G&A was 17% of revenue versus 14% of revenue in last year, due to incremental cost of operating as a public company. As a result, loss from operations in the first quarter was 7.7 million compared to a loss of 3.2 million last year. Operating margin was negative 15% compared to negative 10% in the same period last year. Net loss was 8 million compared to 3.5 million in the first quarter of 2021. That loss per share was 7 cents based on 109.6 million shares compared to a loss of 13 cents in the first quarter of 2021 with 27.9 million shares. Turning to free cash flow. Free cash flow was negative 9.6 million or negative 18% of revenue compared to negative 1.1 million or negative 3% of revenue in the first quarter of 2021. Turning to our balance sheet, our cash and cash equivalents were $300.4 million at the end of Q1, down from $307.4 million at the end of the prior quarter. Before turning to guidance, I wanted to offer some high-level perspective on our strategy for balancing growth and of profitability long-term. Our top priority is still growth, but because of our favorable unit economics, we're committed to improving operating margins every year as we target break-even, non-gap operating margins and positive 10% free cash flow in the medium term. Moving to guidance. For the second quarter of 2022, we expect revenue to be between 54.5 and 55.5 million, representing an annual growth rate of 40% at the midpoint. This takes into account about a 2 million negative impact from actions in Ukraine and Twitter. We expect non-GAAP operating margin loss of 23 to 24%. We expect operating loss to be the widest in Q2 due to our Amplify event, which is being held in person in Las Vegas. This also incorporates higher expenses from travel and return to office. We expect non-GAAP net loss per share to be between 11 and 12 cents, assuming shares outstanding of approximately 111.6 million. For the full year 2022, we expect revenues to be between 229 and 235 million, representing an annual growth rate of 37% to 40%. Given our strong Q1 performance, we raised the midpoint of our range by two million dollars. We expect non-GAAP operating margin loss between 19% and 20%, an improvement from our previous expectation of 20, negative 20 to 22%. And we expect non-GAAP net loss per share to be between 39 and 41 cents, assuming shares outstanding of approximately 112.6 million. We had some unexpected headwinds in Q1, but our team responded with strong execution and delivered a very successful Q1 on a number of fronts. We believe that we're well positioned to drive attractive revenue growth as we hope company build better product upon the foundation of our digital optimization system. We're looking forward to continuing our discussion with all of you over the coming months and are excited about Amplitude market opportunity. With that, I will open the call for your questions.
0: Thanks, Wong. And at this time, uh, we will turn the call over to the Q and A portion of the discussion. Um, and our first question today will come from Tyler Radke with City, and following him will be Arjun Bhatia with William Blair. Tyler, go
3: ahead. Hey, thanks a lot for taking the questions, and um, appreciate all the disclosure on uh, the moving pieces in, in the forecast Wong. Um, Spencer, I wanted to start uh, kind of a broader question for you. So you talked a little bit about uh, the convergence of some of these analytics categories, uh obviously the the google um you know product change too uh just how are you thinking about kind of the the broader opportunity in in that lens i mean clearly your your roots are in product analytics you have some interesting uh traction in experiment and recommend but but how do you uh go after that broader opportunity without kind of staying focused on um kind of the 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 traditional strength of amplitude thanks
1: yeah for sure tyler ha- happy to answer that question um i think there's the the first thing to understand is that what we're seeing in the market is that customers don't really think about themselves differently. If I'm in the marketing experience versus if I'm in the product experience, it's just all one end to end journey about customer experience. And so one of the big reasons that we talk about digital optimization, as opposed to product optimization or product data is that from a customer standpoint, it, it doesn't really matter. And so, when you're building a, whether you're building the marketing experience for a, uh, for your customers, you're building the product experience, you want all of those to be seamlessly integrated. And you want to understand how, you know, signing up and doing the free trial impacts your long-term users or your product. Um, and so we believe that all of those things are going to be converging over time. And that's a huge opportunity for us. And so I think historically you've seen marketing and product be quite separate, separate functions, separate teams, separate infrastructure stacks, but we see those converging over time. Um, I think the updates that Gartner's market guide provided where they said, Hey, you know, marketing analytics is going to converge with product analytics slash digital analytics is just kind of another sign, you know, and, and often with analysts, you know, they're really just playing catch up to what they see in market. We're already seeing this. I mean, one of, one of the crazy things that I've seen a lot of tech companies is that CMOs will actually have a product background. Um, you know, Facebook CMO has that. There's a bunch of other companies that that uh, that have that case. And so I think from a data perspective, that means you just need one platform to unify it all. And so things that were built for just a marketing analytics world, like Google Analytics, are no longer going to be enough to serve that end-to-end product journey. Um, the last thing I think I'll close out with is our strength has been product. It's always been product. You know, it's been our focus and, you know, our core, uh our product is product analytics, but, um and so we expect that to continue to remain true while we broaden out, uh, you know, into these other areas of digital or marketing or what have you analytics.
3: Great. And if I could ask a follow-up for Wong. So I uh, appreciate the, the, the help on the, the moving pieces. I guess if we look at current RPO growth in the quarter, um, you know, does that include some of those headwinds? I mean, that, that grew 62% year over year. I think accelerated a little bit from Q4. Um, yet obviously the, the revenue guidance is, is about, uh, you know, I think 20 points, 15, 20 points lower, uh, here for, for Q2. So just help us understand if those headwinds aren't in the, um, you know, current RPO guidance and what will kind of explain that, that slowdown, uh, you know, in, in revenue, uh, if they are. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah, Tyler, uh, absolutely. Uh, we gave that additional just to mainly try to connect those points. Um, so the headwinds in terms of like, whether it's the, you know, the churn we may have taken related to Ukraine or Twitter are reflected, uh, obviously in, in your CRPO. Um, uh, but the main thing is most of those, and I say they, they were already, uh, running through most of what was already in remaining performance obligations. So you already were coming down to a quarter of a balance and now at zero. So you're just not adding any new one for the renewals, right? Now, the reason RPO and CRPO is growing uh, at a faster rate, now, you know, obviously, it's growing 62% uh, year over year, but if you annualize a quarterly growth rate, CRPO is up 42%. Uh, obviously, both are still a great number, but that, that does factor in, obviously, as companies, and, and we mentioned this, you know, companies are more and more saying, hey, we want to bet on Amplitude, we, we trust it. And so we're seeing also longer-term contracts. And so if you have longer-term contracts, the movement from long term or RPO to CRPO is actually causing a little bit of that increase in CRPO uh, year over year. And that's why you're also seeing RPO uh, outpace CRPO.
4: Great. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Tyler. Um, next, we'll take Arjun Bhatia with William Blair and following Arjun, we'll take uh, Koji Akeda with B of A.
4: Um, thank you. Uh, maybe I just want to start with you. I think um to continue on maybe some of the commentary and the discussion we had last quarter around uncertainty with the timing of expansions, I'm curious how your visibility into that expansion cadence has changed now that we're three months later into the year, and, and I, I'm curious if you know Twitter was one of those um, uh, customer that was on your mind when you were talking about uh, uncertainty and expansion last quarter. Um, that risk now behind us, if
2: there's a Uh, Yeah, I I think, you know, when we talk about last quarter, you know, our visibility into large expansions, you know, stays the same. I think what we were factoring in last quarter when we were looking at some of the macroeconomic conditions is we were confident that these customers would expand, which is a question of, like, you know, is the exact timing of when. And I think what we saw in Q1, both, you know, kind of the fact that we hit 126% uh, net retention rate. The fact that we had our second largest expansion ever is we actually saw a customer going, no, we really do believe product-led growth is very critical and we're going to move on and we're going to keep doing it. And so we actually saw really large, you know, a good large expansion and, and happening in Q1, uh, which is, you know, our timing was a little bit uncertain whether they were going to exactly happen. And so we wanted to make sure we were uh, being smart about our, our forecast. But uh, I think, you know, we, we executed extremely well and the team really delivered on that front. You know, I think as far as Twitter, the, the, the turn in Twitter, you know, obviously we don't ever want to lose any account. And I think at the beginning of the quarter, you know, we 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 thought that we were going to be able to save the account. The count there wasn't necessarily an expansion, but it was going to be something that was saved. I think I mentioned in my prepared remarks, just given the unique circumstances that were actually happening, and there's actually a lot happening at Twitter. Um, and so when you think about that, combined with just, you know, the amount of data they have and the monetization of that data, Along with the fact that you know they did acquire in Toronto, um, they made a decision, uh, you know, towards the end that they were going to obviously build something internally, uh, and so that was not uh, something that we expected.
4: Okay, understood. Um, and as a final interview, I know you know it seems like you're getting industry recognition. The categories when for customers are. Um, increasing any investment in Amplitude and being as a partner, when you think about experiment and recommend, you gave some great examples of customers that, that are using that now. Should, should we think about that as still an expansion opportunity? When you talk to the customers that are making investments, are they, you know, considering experiment and recommend like part of that already Or you see customers actually?
1: Right, right, it's a little hard to hear you. Uh, <laughs> I got most of that though. On a, an
4: excuse, go ahead. No, maybe I don't know. My, my, sorry, my laptop is uh it's very bold. So uh, hopefully this is better. But um uh I was just curious if customers are landing with experiment and recommend off the bat that you've seen those customers come in and make the platform decision uh up tomorrow. Before that's still uh an expansion layer uh, at this
1: point. Yeah, so we definitely have a few cases of where customers have landed with experiment and that's been a big part of the deal. Uh but both in the case of Dropbox and IBM and most of our largest uh experiment customers, those tend to be expansions on top of the core analytics. I think what makes me really excited, so I was close to both the the Dropbox uh, and the IBM deals and, and use cases. And what was exciting about those from my standpoint was those they had decided in both cases to move away from an internal system of doing experimentation onto Amplitude. Um, in Dropbox, that was partly driven by cost savings because they just had so many engineers that were running it. And in IBM's case, it was really driven by the goal of just running more experiments. They were at like five or six experiments a quarter, and they wanted to up increase the number of experiments they were able to execute to 30 or 40. Um, and both those customers had already been very successful customers on the analytics front um, and gotten a, lot, a ton of value out of there. And so I think... Um, it was really a breakout quarter for the experiment uh, product from my standpoint, because I think before we had mainly seen it was, you know, commercial SMB teams, you know, maybe an enterprise using it for a side use case here and there. Uh, but in both of those cases, it was like, Hey, we're going to move our main experimentation muscle onto amplitude experiment. Um, and so I think, um, that gives me a lot of confidence over the long term that we'll continue to see more enterprise customers like that. Um, and as we get into 2023 and beyond, uh, that experiment can be a, a big driver
4: from a revenue perspective on the expansion side. All right. Thank
0: you very much. Great. And our next question will come from Koji Akeda with Beta Bay, <coughs> and following Koji, we'll take, uh, Shrenik Lithari with Baird.
5: Hey, Spencer. Hey, Wong. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, wanted to ask you guys a question on a recent, recent press release I saw. Press. You know, notice that you announced you're, you're now in the AWS marketplace as of March. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, you know, could you, could you talk a little bit about how this could potentially increase the adoption of the platform, maybe from an awareness perspective or, or also from a, you know, maybe removing friction, you know, of, of the adoption of the platform being available in the marketplace. And, and also could you please remind us, are you, are, are you available in the Azure marketplace or, or GCP marketplaces right now?
1: Yeah, so we're, we're not available in Azure or GCP. Um, AWS is the first one that we've gotten into. Um, I think the really big deal there is folks can use, uh, you know, either credits or committed revenue from AWS on Amplitude as a product. And so, you know, we just got that agreement in, in place. And so I think unlocking that as just another channel from a partnerships angle has the potential to, you know, be big over time. You know, as you know, you know, any SaaS company, as you get towards the billion and ARR mark, so much of the uh, revenue comes through, uh, you know, the channel as opposed to direct, which is the vast majority of the the business today. And so our expectation is, you know, that will happen over time. Now, you know, they really want to, you know, in terms of any channel partner, it's like they really want to see that you can drive business for them. So it's not until your business is sufficiently big that, you know, they're going to care and, you know, send you stuff. Um, but the fact that we've set it up on AWS is like a, a really huge deal and allows us to work with a broader spectrum of customers than we might otherwise. And so, yeah, really pleased that we got that out the door in, in Q1. Got it.
5: Got it. And then just one follow-up from me here too. Um Actually, actually digging in a little bit more on the partner channel strategy, you know, I I just kind of quickly went to the website. Notice you had about 23, you call them solution partners, you know, kind of worldwide. Now, how do we think about this channel expanding? Really kind of thinking about, you know, expanding or or, or partnering up with some of the regional SIs or maybe even the GSIs over time. And I guess I should ask, you know, how how do we think about the partners from a technology and integration partner network, too, from here? Yeah,
1: so let me me take the technology, Wong. Uh, one and, and then I'll leave it to Wong for the, uh, the, the, uh, the GSIs and the, the, the solutions partners. Um, I think the big thing from a tech standpoint is that the data product data lives in so many different places in companies. It could live in your own, you know, it could live in a Kafka queue. It could live in your snowflake. Uh, data warehouse, it could live in GCP, it could live in like a million different places. And so the more places that you integrate with and make accessible, the more surface area you have to be able to work with customers that have product data in those places. Um, and so I think it's a big contrast with what I think of as kind of the previous gen, you know, you look at Google Analytics and Adobe, where they're really, you know, most for the most part, pretty closed ecosystems, and they don't have you know, the list of built out integrations we have where they can send and receive data to all these places. And so it makes it tough to uh, keep up with all the different use cases and applications for product data that that are out there. Um, And so for us, it's just like we're thinking about getting a constant steady stream of every single time we see a customer that has data in a new place, we want to unlock that as a use case. We'll actually be announcing a product around that um, at Amplify in a few weeks, which I'm excited about. Um, and so, you know, obviously we had GCP last quarter. We had Snowflake the quarter before that we announced, you know, ex- we'll, we'll expect to continue to announce, you know, more integrations and more ways to get data into and out of amplitude. And that will just further cement their differentiation versus the previous gen of the analytics players.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Beth. And on the solution side, I think, you know, early on we saw that. There was a bunch of companies, especially the say outside of tech, that were interested in going into product led growth or setting up their data for infrastructure or their growth stack, and they would go to a regional kind of a solution partner to help them with that and so we started partnering with those because they they were coming and say, "Hey, we want B two to be part of that solution." You know, as we look out, we kind of see that as being a huge opportunity, because I think when you think about the work it takes to actually get the data ready, go through the activation and implementation, that's one aspect. But the more interesting and and more compelling part is even once you have it going, uh, companies still need help and resources to kind of understand the data, make recommendations of the data, and how to really uh, kind of instrument and implement some of those recommendations and so, you know, we think there's a ton of work out there for the right partner that has the right relationship with those clients. And and so I think that that partnership is going to be a big growth driver for us as we kind of go out into other verticals where they need that external help. And so, you know, we continue and we've mentioned it before during our investor Day. You know, we started investing in partnerships and solution group and a technical technical uh, technical solution partner group both about a year and a half ago. And we're we'll continuing to building that out and you're starting to see continued dividends coming from that.
5: Got it. Thanks, guys. I'll hop back in the queue. Thanks so much.
0: Great. Thanks. And we'll take our next question from Shrenik Kothari with Baird. And following Shrenik, we'll take uh, Michael Turitz with KeyBank.
6: Hey, uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, so uh, the number of uh, paying customers still uh, growing very nicely, 49 uh, percent. Uh, you highlighted the integrations with uh uh, with a bunch of players, Brace, Qualtrics, and, and the GA migration services, uh, conversion from, from Google Analytics. Uh, I believe it's been like over a quarter now since you launched the Adobe extension. Uh, it's kind of a similar GA conversions from, from Adobe. So if you can offer some color there, uh, how is that progressing? Uh, how much, uh, if at all is, is that contributing to, to the land motion? And, and just the the go-to-market learnings from that, as you embark on on this uh, bigger Google opportunity with uh, with a big migration catalyst that that you talked about.
1: Yeah, for sure. Happy to happy to answer that, Shrenik. So I think Google Analytics has always been a great source of leads. You know, it's pretty ubiquitous on the website, and so it's a very common starter product uh, for most companies out there. And I think we've consistently quarter and quarter out gotten you know a huge number of customers that have migrated or upgraded off of Google Analytics onto Amplitude. I think this recent forced move from Universal Analytics to GA4 is just going to accelerate that. So we just put out a campaign last week uh, to really target uh, current Universal Analytics customers who are very unhappy, you know, and there's what was, what's really interesting is, you know, if you hear the party line from Google, they say, hey, everyone's happy on this migration, but their customers and partners are just are, are anything but. Um, and so it's a, you know, I think that'll, we'll continue to see, more uh, customers landing and having switched off of uh, Google Analytics to Amplitude. On the Adobe front, it's a little earlier uh, for us. And so, um, you know, as you know, Adobe is very entrenched uh, in the ecosystem and and they have a lot of customers who have built out massive stacks on them. Um, you know, and it's not just their analytics product. They have, you know, 60 different products as part of their marketing cloud. Um, and so there's a few that we are working with actively, uh, to, uh, have them look at Amplitude as a potential alternative. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really early there. And in most cases, we actually play pretty well alongside Adobe in terms of Adobe customers being able to get great product analytics from Amplitude, uh, and vice versa. I think in the long term, we do see, you know, as I meant, as the Gartner report suggested, and that I mentioned on a previous answer, we do see those spaces converging. And so we'll continue to build out more capabilities there. Um, but it's, it's still pretty early days for, for that.
6: Got it. Got it. Thanks a lot, Spencer. Uh, just a quick, uh, follow up on the, on the net retention. Uh, it kind of inflected, uh, higher, uh, from, from last time and, and the previous quarter. So, uh, you highlighted the, the second largest expansion, uh, the best experimental quarter, uh, Dropbox by the channel and so on. Uh, I know you kind of discussed a bit, but just trying to unpack, uh, these, uh, these contributions a bit. Uh, was like core product analytics, uh, still the main driver for expansion, uh, within department, cross department, uh, as you have stated that you sit at the periphery to, to skew still in these fortune top companies or, or these examples from recommend and experiment are also moving the needle now in, in a meaningful way, uh, when it comes, comes to expansion. Yeah. I, I, no, go I, ahead. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, sir. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, absolutely parting analytics for us is still the, you know, the, the main product and, and the main source of uh, our expansion. Uh, you guys remember, you know, both experiment and recommend were in our third quarter. We're extremely, you know, uh, pleased with kind of the progress. I think last quarter we reported that we had over a hundred customers using both product. And now we just uh, talked about some really large expansion, uh, you know, at the IBM and at uh, Dropbox around experiment. And so, uh, you know, we're starting to see continuous pickup. Uh, but it's still in the early days of both of those new products, and, and they don't make up a you know a material portion of either the expansion or, or the net retention rate yet. Uh, but, you know, g- given their progress and momentum we have there, uh, you know, we hope to see that uh, soon.
6: All right. Thanks, Juan. Thanks, Spencer. Uh, I'll go back to the two. Thanks, Frenick.
0: Great, thanks. And we'll take our next question from Michael Turitz with KeyBank, and following Michael, we'll take uh, Claire Gerdes with EBS.
1: Hi, this is Michael Vidovic on from Michael Turtz, And thanks for giving I was the. I Russia... you don't look like Michael Turtz. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks for giving the clarity on the Russia commentary. Uh, but are you seeing any extension of that to Western Europe or any broader impacts from the uh, ongoing war? Yeah, I'd actually say uh, we have not. Um, you know, our Europe growth continues to be strong. You know, as we mentioned, international growth actually outpaced uh, domestic growth uh, by a little bit in uh, Q1. Um, we had a, a lot of great lands, you know, I mentioned earlier in the prepared remarks, Luno and, and InfoBip in London and, and Group Play Express in Paris. Um, we're continuing to grow and invest our team, um, you know, in the region, open workspaces in, in, in uh, both London and Paris, you know, now that we're starting to get to the other side of the pandemic, um, and then we're continuing to scale our investment. You know, I just... Huge shout out to the team in Europe for continuing to, to deliver in spite of what's going on, um, you know, with, um, with Russia and Ukraine. And so I think, you know, we, we, I think in the short term, we're obviously have that one time hit that Wong mentioned, um, from moving out a bunch of uh, Russian customers, but, uh, you know, growth from uh, everywhere else in the region is very strong.
3: Great. Appreciate that. And then just a quick follow up. Last quarter, you talked about, uh, challenges with customers. Being either slower to expand or
1: building in-house solutions, um, and you being more of an evangelical sale. I guess, are you doing anything to combat that or any changes you're making internally against that motion? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a top focus of the team. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's also we had a, because we had a really strong expansion quarter in Q1, you know, that was a, a driven by a lot of focus and execution. Um, by the folks, um, you know, on the ground. And so really proud of the, the team's work there as, as we focused on getting more repeatability and predictability in the expansions. Um, I think to be clear, you know, I think we haven't seen that factor change. I think when we see us land quite consistently and then it's really that kind of first expansion to a core product or to a suite of products where we become standardized on amplitude, that can ask variability in timing because that depends on, you know, when different executives are bought into product-led growth and data-driven product, that depends on proving out that success in the first product, um, you know, and there's a bunch of different factors in play for that. Um, you know, in terms of what we're doing about it, uh, I think, you know, there's two things I think about the air war and the ground war. The air war is really just continuing to educate and to evangelize what it is that we do and why product data is so incredibly important, um, you know, we're actually really excited about our Amplify conference. We wouldn't know if we'd be able to get, uh, you know, a lot of people to turn up in person, but we already have over a thousand folks registered for the conference, um, you know, and that's going to be a huge part of driving the idea of, you know, this is the way to do it. And um, that's a long term play there. On the, you know, on the ground war side, you know, this is where I think we've had a kind of good uh, foundation With uh, some of our customer facing teams, but we're always looking to mature there. You know, I mentioned we brought in Lambert Walsh as chief customer officer. So, you know, I'm really excited about the leadership he's going to be able to provide and bringing us to the next level of maturity with helping teams out with, you know, customized services, um, you know, uh, things around training and implementation that we might not have been able to do before. um, And those will help accelerate that. And so I think. I have confidence that the combination of those things over the long term will make that motion uh, much more predictable and repeatable. Um, and to be clear, you know, it is a repeatable motion and we see all the signs. It's just the precise timing can vary. Um And so that's what we're looking at uh, improving, you know, as we go throughout this year.
4: Great. Really appreciate that. Thanks.
0: Great. And our final question will come from Claire Gerties with EBS. Great. Thanks for taking the question. So. I just wanted to follow up a little bit on the full year guide. You, of course, mentioned the impact from the conflict in Ukraine. Um, But is there anything else uh, to call out that you're either seeing in the environment or, you know, you've touched on expansion activity so far, but anything to call out that's influencing um, your outlook for the rest of the year? Thanks.
2: Yeah, no, I I think, uh, you know, we we raised the midpoint of the range by $2 million uh, by narrowing it. And I think that... uh, uh, that just shows that, you know, not only did we have a great Q1, but we uh, we actually have more confidence, you know, given where the net retention rate is and where the new products are, are, are trending. Uh, we feel really confident uh, in the market, and that's what's uh, in the guidance.
6: Thank you.
1: Cool. As we close things out here, I just wanted to make a quick plug for Amplify in Las Vegas. So come join us May 24th to 26th in there. Um, I promise uh, that if you come join us, I'll 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 go hang out with you in person. Love we'll to see folks there.